This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Praise God Through the Storm, and it comes from 2 Samuel 22, 1-51. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved of the 501c3 tax exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13.16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobiblecass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify or Amazon or Google. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there too. Just search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. As we pick back up today in chapter 22, remember I've told you that chapter 21 through 24 of 2 Samuel is an epilogue to the life of David. When you really look deep down into these four chapters, you see that there are really six sections in here. Today we cover the third section. Remember the first section was about David and his kingdom, how he had to settle a debt. One that King Saul had created, there was a blood guilt and an offering had to be made. The second section was the section that we studied last week, and that was giant problems. Remember, David killed Goliath in 1 Samuel, but we see right here at the end of 2 Samuel that Goliath's sons, four of them, come back and they fight the Israelites. If you were a note taker, you could flip back and probably see that there were really three points that I've pointed out last week. One was your enemy doesn't give up. It keeps coming back like the waves of an ocean that, that keeps rolling in. The enemy will keep coming back and fighting us. The second thing is we have to finish off our sin. We can't just take and get over a little piece of it. But we have to completely finish it off. And this is what happened to David. He killed Goliath and then the rest of the giants ran off. And now each time they fought the Philistines, these giants came back. And the last part that I pointed out is that we need each other. We need to be in a Bible-believing church and be a part of a fellowship. We need some accountability, and we need to help be accountable to others. In that section, David became weary, and Abashai came, and he slew the giant, and he saved David. Again, David needed someone, and we do too. Chapter 22, though, is a song that David wrote. Some call it David's Song of Deliverance. But in this song, David praises God for the many ways in which he's delivered him. There's 51 verses in this, and I'm going to try to cover them all today, so obviously I'm going to have to skip through this. But before I dive in, just want to give you one more thing. This psalm is a summation of the struggle that David had. He's recollecting all the wins and the losses, and that's throughout the lens of his whole life. 
And that's all in this song. Commentators say he's singing this song as he's coming through the battle. So with that, turn with me real quick to 2 Samuel chapter 22. We'll start in verse 1, and I'll be reading out the ESV. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You saved me from the violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. In these first four verses, you can see that David is truly giving praise back to God for saving him. He says right there that you save me from my enemies and King Saul. Now, commentators say that 2 Samuel 22 is very close to Psalm 18. And it speaks to how David got through his struggles and through the wars that he battled. It speaks volume to the people at that time. And it speaks even well to us today. I don't know about you, but for me, life is hard. We go through struggles all the time. If we had to write a song after what we've gone through over the last couple of years with COVID, with the whole election stuff, with the economy crashing, with food shortages, just the stress of life that's gone on, I wonder what that psalm would really say. Would it be similar to David? Would it say, I trusted myself, I was scared, I was lonely, but God did nothing? I lived for myself because I had nothing else to do? I think we would say, like one of the songs says, when I grew up, count your blessings. It starts off, says, when upon life's billow you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And that's what David does right here in this song. He counts his many blessings and he speaks them out to God and he puts them on paper. What would your song sound like after the past three years of what we've gone through, over your lifetime that you've gone through, the struggles that you've gone through? I bet you and I would be very similar to David and we would praise God for keeping us safe for hearing and rescuing us, for honoring our righteousness and giving us strength to fight and win. And overall, just thank you for being God and being who you are. And those are the five themes of this song that David wrote in the 51 verses that I'm going to cover very fast. So the first one is keeping us safe or keeping you safe. Praise God for keeping you safe when you're going through the storm or when you're coming out of the storm. Praise God for it. If we studied the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, we've seen that God has protected David in many ways. He gave him a friend and Jonathan who gave him wise counsel. He gave him a wife, Michal, a wife who protected him when King Saul was trying to kill him. Samuel, who was a great mentor to him and also spoke to him through the Spirit of God. Of course, God kept him safe for over 10 years as he ran from King Saul. But God kept him safe. Remember, one time he got caught by the Philistines, he had to act like a madman. And what happened? God spoke to that king. He said, I don't need another crazy person here. Get rid of him. Most kings would have killed him on the spot just to get rid of the threat. But God kept him safe. God was his rock and his refuge. David wrote in Psalm 17, verse 8, 
Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wing. God kept him safe because David was the apple of God's eye. And do you know what? You are the apple of his eye too. God loves you so much that you are the apple of his eye. Not only in Psalms does it say it, but it also says it in Zechariah 2.8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, After glory he has sent me against the nation which plundered you. For he who touched you touches the apple of his eye. I don't know what's been plundering your spirit, but God has sent you here today to let you know that you are the apple of his eye. Whether it is some sickness, whether it's a relationship, whether it's money, whether it's some type of education, whether it's work, whatever it is, God has sent you here and he wanted you to hear that you are the apple of his eye. And as the apple of his eye, God protects us. All throughout the Old Testament, God protects. God has big plans for Israel and he protects them. He helps them conquer nations. And he even takes care of them when they didn't take care of themselves. When they turned against him, yes, God spanked them. God chastised them. But God took care of them when they had problems as God promised he would. He promised that he would give them a promised land, and he did, even when they grumbled getting to the promised land. God promised that they would endure, and they have. Listen to Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, thou shalt not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Do you know that the Lord is good? Do you believe that? I don't know what you're going through today, but I want you to hear that the Lord is good and you are the apple of his eye. And he is a stronghold for you when you are going through a day of trouble. Those that trust in him, the Lord is good for. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. That means enthusiastically when you're going through a storm. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Have you ever wondered if you made a difference? Did God really care about me? I've struggled with this before, where I've said, does God really care about me? I mean, little old me, big God that made the universe, that swung the stars into place, put the moon and the sun and the planets. Does God really care about me? This right here tells me that nothing that I do is ever useless for the Lord. So let me ask you, are you like David? Do you see how God has kept you safe? Has he watched over you? Has he looked out for you? Stop and count your blessings and name them one by one. Just as God has watched over David, God will watch over you too. A couple of more scriptures real quick. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he's the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So no matter what you're going through, when you feel like you're going through it alone, when you feel like you're isolated, Understand that the Lord is with you, and he goes with you and before you. 2 Timothy 4.18 says, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him forever and ever be glory. Amen. Do you believe these promises that God has given us in the Bible? Have you taken them and hidden them in your heart? And do you quote them when you're going through that storm? Are you praising him by quoting his word back to him and holding on tightly to that promise? 
I also want you to look at verse 4 where it says, I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. He heard me. He saved me when I called upon him. I don't know about you, but every day I get up and it seems that I notice more and more how I'm surrounded by ungodliness. It seems like there are snares set for me to trip on and to fall into. But as I see this, I call out to God and he hears me and he saves me from my enemy. David says in verse 5 that the waves of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction come after me. The cords of Sheol entangle me. The snares of death confront me. In my distress, I call upon the Lord. And God in his temple has heard my voice. My cry came to his ear. That should give you comfort this morning that when we cry out to the Lord, he hears us. This weekend is my twin's birthday. And it seems like just yesterday that they were born. But I remember when they were born, even three months premature. Yes, they were born at 26 weeks. Miracle babies. I remember hearing their cry. They spent lots of time in the neonatal ICU part of the hospital, but as they got out of the neonatal ICU and they were able to come home once they hit five pounds, I still remember hearing their cries. I would walk down the hall and I'd go in. They would be laying in that bed crying. I heard their cries and I came. I did what I could do for them at that period of time. And you know what? God is the same way. In Psalms 18, 6, it says, But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. In Psalms 55, 17, it says, Morning, noon, and night, I cried in my distress, and the Lord heard my voice. In Psalms 28, 6, it says, Praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. I want you to hear me today that your voice is not just some voice in the crowd. But God hears your voice and he is coming to take care of you. I want you to know that he knows your need and he knows my need. He wants what is good for us. And because of his overwhelming love for us and his amazing grace, he hears your cry. He hears my cry. And he hears each sigh that we make. Not just the cries, but even the sighs. And of course, he sees each tear that falls from our cheek. Even when he doesn't give me everything I want, he perfectly meets the need that I need at that moment. Philippians 4.19, my God will use his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to give you everything you need. And just like I couldn't just leave my daughters alone as they were crying, God will not leave you alone if you will cry out to him. The other thing I want you to see in David's song that he's singing to God is that God saved him because of his righteousness. That may sound weird because our righteousness is as filthy rags, but yet God honored his righteousness as little as that may have been in the sight of God. Because we are the apple of God's eye, and because he loves us, he even honors our efforts for our righteousness. Look what it says in verse 21. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statues I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanliness in his sight. 
Did David live a blameless life? Absolutely not. We've studied that. We saw how he's messed up and he sinned. But David tried to live a life of righteousness. He tried to live a life that was after the ways of the Lord. Living right produces good things in our lives. David sings about that, and it's true. If you live right, God will take care of you. Being a Christian is the greatest thing in the world, and we should want to be more like Christ every day. You might say, Tim, well, why are you bringing this part of it up? Well, are you living righteously? Let me ask you that. Are you living righteously? Are you living a good life? Are you trying to follow after God's statutes? Sometimes we get so caught up on grace, we forget about how we're supposed to live. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So the Bible teaches that we should be living righteously. We should be trying to live a good life. We should be following Jesus's commandments. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says we should examine ourselves to see how we're living. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? See, what we need to do is we need to check ourselves and see if we are trying to live a righteous life like David said he did. In 1 John 1, 9, when we're saved, it says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from what? All our unrighteousness. When we're saved, he cleanses us from our unrighteousness, and then we should stop living in sin. We should make every effort to stop any sin in our life. Now, will we do that? Absolutely not, right? We're not perfect. We live in a fallen state, but one day when we get to heaven, that won't be the case. But we should make every effort to walk righteously before the Lord. Where we get into trouble is when we start living a life of religion. A bunch of rules of do's and don'ts. And we start looking at ourselves, and we start become prideful about what we're doing. The acts of love or charity that we do. We start living for ourselves, and we forget that we're doing it under God. Well, as long as we keep our eyes focused on God, living good and, and living right is a good thing. So we saw how David has praised God for keeping him safe, hearing and rescuing him, and honoring his righteousness. But look how he also gives him praise for giving him strength to fight and win. In verse 30, David says, For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. In verse 33, he says, This God is my strong refuge, and he has made me blameless. He made my feet like the feet of deer and set me secure on the heights. And then in verse 38, he says, I pursued my enemy and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. In verse 39, I consumed them. I thrust them through so they did not rise. They fell under my feet. Verse 40, for you equipped me with the strength for battle. You made those who rise against me sink under my feet. There's a saying that God helps those that help themselves. And that's true, but we need to remember that it is God that helps those. It's not that they do it themselves. David doesn't say that I was victorious. Look at my life. I became from a shepherd boy all the way to a king. Look at all the enemies that I subdued. No, he says that through you, you are my rock. You are my foundation. You gave me strength. You gave me sure footing. You are a light unto my path. The mighty Moses knew this as well in Exodus 15 and the song that 
they sing to the Lord. In verse 2, he says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. Right there in verse 2, Moses is singing, The Lord is my strength and my song. The Bible tells us in Habakkuk 3.19, God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. In Isaiah 40.29, he says, He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. If you go back and listen to this series on David's life, you'll see when David fought on his own strength, he lost. But when he fought leaning on God, he won. This is a life lesson that we need to understand as we're going through the storms, that we win when we lean on God. He is our strength in a time of need, and he gives us the ability to prevail over our enemies. So I'll go back to what I started with. God helps those that help themselves. Then we need God with us as we help ourselves. We can't see God move if we don't move. When we move that next step, when we walk out in faith and put the step in front of the other. As long as we're walking with God, then God is with us and he strengthens us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, but what? Who strengthens me? I have to believe that this was written in the Bible by the Apostle Paul because of what he, all he went through, being shipwrecked, being beat, almost put it to death, stoning him. Paul had to lean on God and so do we. The sad thing is, too many times we try to do it in our own strength, and then we come to God. But right now, this very moment is the right time to start leaning on God. It's a great time to start learning how to use His strength in us, how to die to ourselves and let the Holy Spirit lead us. It's not about us. It is about Him and following Him, letting Him be a light unto our path, letting Him be a fortress and a rock and a protective wing for us. Stop and think about times that you've gone through issues and people ask you, how did you go through that? How did you make it? It was through God's strength. It was putting one step in front of the other and leaning on him. See, God doesn't really add to our strength. His strength overcomes our weakness. He doesn't use our strength. He becomes our strength. And when we learn that fact, then we can overcome anything. See, Second Timothy teaches this very idea. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. And when we walk through the spirit, we have that power, we have that love, and we have self-control, and we can overcome whatever we face. I'm out of time, so I need to wrap up. My fifth and final point is that David praises God for just being God. He praised him for keeping him safe. He praised him for hearing and rescuing him. He praised him for honoring his righteousness. He praised him for giving him strength and helping him fight and win. And then he just praises him for being God. You'll want to take and highlight verse 47 right here. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The Lord who gave me vengeance and brought down people under me who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. And verse 51, great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. David thought of the victories that God had helped him with and done on his behalf, and he could only worship God. 
and David points all the worship to him. He says that. He says, this is the Lord's victory. He won it for me. The glory goes to him. And then he starts speaking to him. He says, you deliver me from my enemies, but you also lifted me up. Speaking directly to God, he says, you lifted me up. David didn't seem to have a problem moving between the two aspects of praising God and then speaking directly to him. But we see here that we can praise God and we can speak to him and we can even be very specific. Sometimes when we praise God, it may just be, oh Lord, how great you are. Other times we speak to him about the very single thing that he's done and we thank him for it in specific as well. And then David ends well. David says, and you show mercy to your anointed. He understands that it is mercy that God has shown him. He talked about his righteousness. He talked about him being his rock. He goes back, though, to him being the foundation and that God showed his mercy. And I love it that he ended this way because David's relationship with God was based on God's great mercy, not upon David's great righteousness, not about his uh, stature, but it was about his mercy. And you and I need to learn that. It's not about us. It's not about where we were born, how much education we have, what money we might have. None of that matters. God doesn't need us. God uses us because we are the apple of his eye. He loves us and he does love us through his mercy. So let me close with this final, final thought. Praise, when we praise God, breaks the yoke of bondage. But praise needs to be to God. It needs to be about God. It needs to be for God. And Hebrews 13 says we ought to continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. The fruit of our lips should be thanks to his name. This is why you and I should never stop worshiping God. We should never stop praising God. There should be nobody, the government, people, whatever, no entity should be able to restrict our praise from God. We should always worship him. We should always praise him. We should always raise his name. And it shouldn't matter where we're at, not just at church, but this should be the case whether we're in our car, in our house, whether we're working out, whether we're swimming. I used to tell the kids at Kids Church, you know what? You can pray to God while you're swimming. You can praise God even underwater. We saw that with Jonah. Jonah praises God while he's in the belly of a whale. We can praise God wherever we're at, and we should. We should be continuously in praise. I'm going to end with Psalms 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the triumph sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Will you do that today? Will you praise the Lord? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are who you are. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that we're like a little baby. When we cry, you hear our voice amongst all the noise. We are the apple of your eye, and you love us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross. Lord, right now, I pray for the ones listening to my voice right here over the airwaves and streaming across the Internet. Lord, that you would speak to them. Lord, some showed up today and they are going through a storm. 
Lord, it may be a storm of sickness or relationship or financial, whatever it is, Lord, they need to understand that we are the apple of your eye and that you take care of us. Lord, that you honor our righteousness. Lord, you are our strength and you will take us under your wing. Lord, that you are our fortress, you are our rock. And on the solid rock, we will stand. Lord, I pray today that they would just do that. Lord, whatever it is they're going through, Lord, they will praise you. Lord, so many times we start whining instead of praising. Lord, I pray today that they will praise you. They will lay it at your feet and they will praise you for fixing this. Lord, it may not be instant, but Lord, that they will praise you for going ahead and fixing this and they will proclaim your victory over this. Lord, right now, I pray for the one that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray today that they would ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, that they would confess with their mouth. Lord, that you would forgive them. Your blood would cleanse them free. And Lord, they would confess before men that you are Lord. Lord, and they would chase after you. They would follow after you and strive to be more righteous every day. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you bring this ministry. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.